Real and raw talk about child trafficking, kidnapping, and exploitation. This is Adam Whittington Unfiltered. If it's about child safety, we're talking about it. And now your host who has risked his own life rescuing children globally from shocking situations, who has advised governments on how to protect children from international kidnappings, spent months in Lebanon prisons for trying to help children. With 23 years experience in international child kidnappings, trafficking, and exploitation, and the CEO founder of the renowned international child trafficking and exploitation charity, Project Rescue Children, Adam Whittington. So welcome to Adam Whittington Unfiltered. Today we're going to talk to a mother and her 14-year-old daughter who was sexually abused for a number of years by the stepfather. It's a horrific story and I want them to share what they went through. And so we'll start with the mother. If you can, firstly, welcome to Adam Whittington Unfiltered. If you can just explain from the start how you met this man and how he came to being in contact, coming into the family with your daughter. Uh, good evening. Uh, I met uh, Mr. Mark Heimgartner uh, in uh, Auckland. When uh, I was uh, in a very, very difficult uh, time in my life, I was uh, having a, a very uh, difficult uh, divorce. And uh, when he entered in my life, uh, he, he was very, very um, involved because he was very rich. He helped me to have, uh, to pay uh, my uh, lawyers 100,000 uh, New Zealand dollars because he was very rich and uh, I couldn't afford uh, to pay uh, lawyers. And he paid that uh, for me uh, to have uh, my daughter because I was, as I said, I couldn't uh, pay it. And he helped me also uh, to pay uh, my daughter's uh, psychologist, uh, which was uh, very expensive. I had to pay uh, something like 200 uh, per hour. So for me, uh, I thought that uh, he was a very good uh, person because uh, my daughter was having uh, a very, very tough time. And uh, he said, uh, don't worry. Uh, and it was very, very fast because when I, I met him, after one week, he moved uh, into my house. And um, that time, uh, I found a very, very, uh, very, very bizarre his life because uh, he had uh, two uh, daughters. He had uh, with uh, his uh, ex-wife, uh, a Chinese uh, woman. And uh, that uh, two daughters, he couldn't uh, see them without paying to see them. So uh, when uh, even to talk to them, when uh, he called uh, them uh, on the phone, he was beside me and called uh, the, the daughter to say, uh, I would like uh, to talk to you. And the daughter uh, said, uh, uh, you have to pay uh, sometimes, uh, they say, $2,000, uh, sometimes uh, 10000 because uh, they said the mother wow. wanted to go to, to, go to, the, to the trip with them. And uh, he always uh, paid that, and uh, I encourage him. And I say, "Oh, you are a very good uh, father because uh, some uh, some father uh, they don't want to pay uh, even the child support, but you you pay more than the child support. Uh, you paid uh, because he paid uh, two thousand five hundred. Is what uh, he told me per per child. So five thousand per month for for his two girls plus the trip." So uh, I say, uh, when you have uh, money, uh, I encourage you to pay. Uh, even I was not, uh, I, I, I couldn't understand why uh, his uh, ex-wife asked uh, him to pay uh, money uh, before he talked to his uh, children. So uh, I say, ah, 
if uh, he wanted to see uh, his, his daughter, why not? So uh, for me, uh, he was a good, uh, he was a good person. So uh, I just uh, opened uh, my heart and uh, I love him uh, very uh, deeply. How old were the daughters? How old were his daughters? One was seven, like my daughter, and the other was nine. Okay. By the sounds of it, he's very charming, very manipulative. He yes. came into your life. So he came in a week after. How was he with your daughter as far as his behavior? Did you find anything or see anything that was very strange or... No, I couldn't uh, see uh, because uh, it was very difficult, especially uh, I was uh, having uh, a very difficult uh, divorce with uh, my uh, daughter's uh, father. So uh, my daughter was very scared because uh, we, we had, we were very, um, my daughter and I, uh, we were very, uh, the family court in uh, Oakland, uh, they were very, very tough with us. Yeah, when my daughter okay. said what uh, happened to her, the lawyer for child uh, said that uh, she was lying, that uh, it was me who was manipulating uh, her. So uh, when something uh, happened, uh, she was not very uh, open uh, to tell me because uh, she was scared that uh, the family court uh, will uh, remove her from me. So it was okay. uh, very, very difficult. Yeah. Obviously, we're speaking to you first and we'll bring in your daughter after speaking to you. But going back, when you found out about the abuse when your daughter told you, did you believe her when she told you initially, when she first told you that this this man was sexually abusing her? I discovered that four years later when uh, she talked to her friend to school. Okay, so she kept it a secret. She kept. She was too yes. scared to tell for four years. Yes. And yes. then she told a friend, was it at, at school, correct? At school, yes, at school. And the friend talked to her mother, and her mother reported to school because the friend was a little bit scared to talk by herself. Okay, and that's how it was exposed. That's how... Yes, yes, uh, and, I started to do, and I started to do my investigation because, uh, you know, when uh, you live with someone uh, who was not dead, she was betrayed by that man. She called him dead. She loved him like uh, a father because... Uh, she didn't have uh, her, her own father uh, for many years. So uh, when she had uh, that man, uh, she thought that uh, he was uh, a father. And okay. even uh, his two uh, daughters, she called them uh, my, uh, my uh, sisters. But uh, he betrayed a uh, child. When you found out and you started, because you, you started to investigate yourself, didn't you? Yes. You started to video record, audio record conversations yes without and without him knowing yeah, yeah and how did you find when you approached him and you said this is what your daughter has accused you of do you remember when he first found out the first time uh, he said to me uh, that uh, he couldn't uh, believe uh, that i have to to question uh, the child and the school uh, to know what uh, was happening so uh, he can uh, prepare uh, his defense. And I say, if you didn't do uh, anything wrong, why do you me to investigate and to, to do uh, something uh, in your favor? And he said, oh, you know, uh, here in, the, in the New Zealand, uh, it's not uh, 
easy uh, because uh, when you have uh, the school um, the, the school uh, counselor and the court uh, the justice system uh, you will pay a lot of money to the lawyer so uh, i don't want to pay that kind of money so uh, the best uh, is to to try uh, to question uh, your daughter and to question also uh, counselor to know exactly what uh, what they say yeah. and uh, when he said that to me i find that uh, very um, it was smelly bad for me because I had uh, a very bad experience uh, in court the family court uh, in, uh, in uh, New Zealand I say um, if I don't uh, have uh, the proof they will yeah. not believe uh, my daughter so I have to investigate and have uh, him uh, telling me uh, what uh, was happening because uh, when I I went to a Family court, uh, I had uh, the brain injury trauma from my previous marriage. Yeah. And uh, yes. the family court uh, said to me, uh, it's uh, nothing. Uh, the person uh, didn't want uh, to kill you is because that person is an aristocratic person and you are nothing. So when they said yeah. that to me, uh, my daughter's certificate, I say uh, I have to be to have a lot of proof. You learned from your your family, your previous marriage divorce that Without yes. any evidence, you cannot put anything to the court or, or to the police. So you decided to investigate yourself. Quite smart, actually, because I've actually listened to all the audio recordings that you have sent me and the documents, the police documents, and I've listened to him having the conversations with you secretly that he did not know you were recording, and he is textbook pedophile. He's a textbook pedophile manipulator. The way he was speaking to you on those audio recordings was a classic way that they tried to manipulate you, the other parent, and putting the blame on the child. And I found it very interesting, a lot of the things he was saying. And of course, he totally admitted to doing it on the audio recording, it's very clear as day. But you wanted to keep getting more evidence. Once you had enough evidence, you went to the police. The first time when I had the first evidence, because I found that very, very strange when he started to, to write letters to, to my daughter. Yeah, explain the letters to the people listening. He wrote letters, right? Explain to everybody what he did there. Yes, because when the, the school uh, when the, the school uh, reported that to the police, the police and the social worker chiefs they ask uh, see my daughter, so they say uh, you are not uh, allowed to see them until we tell you when you can see them. So we have to do our investigation. And when uh, they say that uh, to him, he moved uh, from the house we were living together. When uh, my daughter was uh, at school. He came uh, at home and put letters on her bed. And uh, he always called me because I was working. And he always called me uh, to, to ask me whether my daughter saw the letters and whether she, she had uh, read them. And uh, when uh, he started uh, to do like that, uh, I say, oh, if someone uh, never did uh, something wrong, how can you write a, a letters to a child and say, if they ask you whether I touch your vagina, you say uh, no. Sometimes he say uh, he said uh, three or four times uh, some letters. He said uh, 
you, you can say, uh, I touch your vagina five times or six times. So for me, it was very strange. I say, it's not possible. If you never did something wrong, you can't, uh, you can't uh, direct someone to lie to the authorities. He was coaching her in yes, the letters. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was yeah. coaching her. And uh, when uh, he asked me uh, that, when, one day uh, I was uh, on, the, on the table with him uh, having uh, a dinner. And uh, before the dinner, he, he, was, uh, he was very, very stressed and very scared. He said, uh, I am very worried about uh, the letters because uh, if the letters uh, went uh, to the, the wrong hand, I will go straight uh, to Mount Chiden uh, prison. So Mount Chiden is a, a big prison uh, in uh, Auckland. So uh, he told me that uh, he will go there. And I say, uh, I, I can't understand. If someone never did uh, something, why uh, worrying uh, about uh, your letters uh, going to the wrong hand and you go to the prison? And himself, yeah. he said to me that uh, the letters uh, was uh, to pervert the course of uh, the justice. Perverting the course of justice. I listened to that audio recording that you're explaining now when you were, at, you were eating dinner with him and the recording was going and he was very desperate. He was like a bear in a cage and he was really trying to get out of the trouble that he caused. And he did mention, and I did hear it, perverting the course of justice. And he would, his own words would, were that if the police got hold of the letters, then he would go straight to prison. Again, another admission of guilt. So how many letters did he write? Was it a continue? Something like 30, something like yeah. 30 letters. And eventually the police went, the police did get the letters, correct? Yes, but the first letters, when uh, he wrote them, I was so scared because uh, I thought that uh, he, will, uh, he will get the letters uh, from uh, me because the, the first maybe 10 letters, he took them uh, away. And uh, he uh, said to me that he will keep in, inside uh, his uh, office. And I said, why? He said that because I want uh, to put that safe. So uh, I am not uh, stupid, uh, Adam. I am not stupid. You don't write a letter to a child and say that I, I can take the letter back and keep uh, in my office. Why did he uh, write uh, to my daughter? So uh, when uh, he said that uh, to me, I say, oh, I, I am so scared that I will not have uh, evidences against him because uh, I didn't want uh, my daughter to continue to be uh, a victim without uh, having uh, justice. So I say, the justice has to be done for my daughter. I went uh, to the, to SIFS. SIFS uh, is, uh, the children, um, they protect the children. Yeah, child protection. Child pro- protection. Yeah. So I went there and I saw the, the, the social workers who were in charge of the case. They told me, give us the letters. I gave them the, the letters and they took the letters, put like that and throw away in, into the rubbish bin. I say, oh, really? Yes. They said to me, we will put that into the rubbish bin and call him now to ask him to stop writing letters to your daughter. When I saw so that, they basically ripped up and threw the evidence in the yes, bin. Yes, in, in the bins. Yeah. I couldn't believe. And I say, how yeah. is it possible? Some people, they are, they are supposed to, to support Protect. my daughter. They Protect are destroying yeah. the evidences. Yeah. So because well, I was so, so, so worried, I said, please don't call him. So I, I went back uh, home. 
and I call uh, I call uh, my some of my friends, uh, and uh, they say to me, uh, "Don't worry, we will come uh, every. Uh, we do uh, our turn. One uh, friend uh, will come uh, one day, collect uh, the letters, and uh, like that. So they did uh, what uh, they promised yeah. uh, to do. So they they kept yeah. the letters, and each time I was uh, recording uh, Mr. Heimgartner. I send that to my friend uh, by uh, by email. Yeah. So uh, to keep copies. Yeah. Yes. Especially the recording, uh, but because uh, one day we were at the Ile de la Réunion. You know, Ile de la Réunion is a French island, and uh, I ask him, please, could you tell me the truth? Because I am totally, uh, I, I, you know, when you love someone, it's very difficult to believe. But yes. I knew that my daughter was telling the truth. Yes, but because my daughter was not telling me what uh, happened to her during uh, four yes. years, it's not easy to talk about it. So uh, I say I have to do my investigation. So I ask uh, the man, "What did you do uh, to my daughter?" And he said to me, "I put uh, my fingers in her vagina, but I didn't stuck my finger inside the va- vagina." So he described me what he did. I couldn't sleep, and I, I asked him. Uh, it was uh, something like uh, 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, before the, the, in the morning uh, around uh, maybe 8 uh, a.m. I asked him again, because at night I couldn't uh, record him. I asked him again, what did you do? Why did you touch my daughter's vagina? He said, yes, I touched her vagina. I know that is not good what I did. I will take the responsibilities. You can't uh, believe uh, it's very, very hard when uh, you have that from someone. You loved, and uh, your daughter believed. She trusts him, and she trusts the love. Yeah. Yes, and uh, it's very, very, very hard. And from that time, he started to tell me, uh, "You have to to tell what I'm asking you to do because I'm paying uh, my lawyer three thousand per hours." And you know, uh, in New Zealand, uh, when you are rich, uh, you never lose. And uh, I thought he was telling uh, lies. But now uh, I have the impression that uh, he was right. I listened to the audios and I, I clearly remember, I've actually listened to them. I think you sent me like six, six or seven different audio recordings and in it you can hear him instructing you what you had to say to the police to cover him not getting in trouble. You know, the way he manipulated you and tried to steer you in the right direction to support him and to protect him from the police was quite shocking, actually, to listen to somebody who you, as you say, and this is a very difficult thing for survivors and family, is this is not a stranger. This is, a, this is somebody you loved, you trust, you, you let into your house, and to hear something like that happening for four years before you eventually find out through the school and for him to just completely deny it initially and then to hear him in other video, uh, other audio recordings blatantly admitting what he's done and then writing the letters to try and, you know, coach your daughter, that's just fear from him and then telling you, what you had to say to the police in order for him or for all the investigation to finish. 
was very, very shocking, but it's a very normal, normal thing. So what did the police do? So he got arrested, right? And he went to trial. Yes. And was and what happened at the trial, the first one? The first one, uh, he was found uh, guilty uh, for all charges and 12 uh, juries found him uh, guilty. Uh, so there was a jury. All the eight, eight charges. HR, yeah, I've seen the charges. The listeners need to understand this is not just one charge. There was eight and he was found guilty by a jury of 12, 12, 12 in, all, in Auckland, yes, unanimous, New Zealand. Unanimously found guilty, right? Guilty. Now, this is an important... This is very important for people listening. He was found unanimously guilty from 12 juries. What did he get? Sentence. What was his sentence? He got uh, five years uh, and uh, two months because the judge said that uh, he was supposed to have uh, something like 20 years. But uh, they discounted because uh, he said that uh, he will have uh, a counselling and uh, he will help uh, the association financially, and that uh, his, uh, his family, uh, his uh, two ex-wife uh, wrote uh, for him. They say that uh, without him uh, financially, it will be uh, difficult. And they say that uh, because of that, they discounted and he got five uh, years uh, and two months. So he could have served 20 years with the eight charges. It got reduced to five, which is very normal in a, in a, in a pedophile case, very normal. The other issue is, if they're guilty, they usually get, you know, like a massive discount on the sentencing. And so there's a few points that you've raised here that clearly show that he's wealthy and has used his money, his wealth, to do whatever he's done to persuade the judge or the system to uh, be lenient on him. So, okay, so he goes away to prison. You're very happy, yes, you and daughter of happy that the, the sentence has been given and he's in prison. What happens then? And uh, he, uh, he appealed to have a bail before uh, the, because uh, he, he, he said that, uh, his lawyer said that uh, it was a technical uh, issue about the court because uh, what uh, the police uh, explained uh, to me, they said that uh, the, the judge before the, before the trial had to to explain uh, to the juries that uh, the offender they had to judge him not because uh, they see uh, they, they think that he looks he looks like uh, a criminal they have to to judge him because of what they see uh, in uh, his um, in the case the evidences the the judge said that but it was not it was not uh, at the beginning of the the trial and because he said that later, the, his lawyer said that uh, he was the technical, uh, the technical issue. So uh, he said the trial had to be uh, redone. That is the reason uh, they did uh, another. Okay. Yeah. So, so the lawyer for the for the pedophile has yes. brought up some rubbish technicality, and this is a very annoying thing because it happens in a lot of cases. That's due to him not you know, mentioning to the jury at the start of the trial and there needed to be a retrial. It's shocking as it is, but that's another story. So he went to prison for what, three months, I think? Was it no, three? for four months and, uh, and, and half. Four months. And half. Four and a half and months. He, and then the retrial. And when he, was in, the prison, retrial? When he was in prison, uh, he sent uh, his family, his two uh, ex-wife, 
to follow us, uh, and it was a nightmare. They follow us and try to intimidate us. Sometimes really? his, okay. his ex-wife, uh, who lives with him now, they were divorced uh, 20, 25 years ago, but uh, they live uh, together now. And um, she sent uh, people uh, to 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 ask me uh, to leave uh, to leave uh, New Zealand. Otherwise, uh, they will send me to the grave. So when I said that to the police, they never did anything. They said that, uh, oh, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, 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 it's normal. Uh, it's uh, the, the the mother of his uh, his children. So, uh, I, and I find that very very uncomfortable. It's, it was scary. Yeah. I totally understand. So, so he went to trial again. So there was yes. a retrial. Yes. What happened there? And uh, excuse me to 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 go step by step with the trial because sure. uh, before uh, the trial, uh, I asked uh, two months uh, uh, before the trial, I asked uh, the the police uh, to update me uh, when uh, the trial will uh, will start uh, and uh, what uh, will be uh, done. And they said that, don't worry, Beranger, my daughter and I, my daughter and I, uh, we ask uh, how uh, will be uh, the next step uh, about the trial. And they said that, uh, don't worry, we will uh, tell you a uh, long time uh, before uh, the trial. Minimum, uh, they said minimum something like uh, one uh, week, but they didn't. And the trial was the 31st of um, October, and they didn't. So uh, three days before the, the trial on, on Friday, I sent messages to the to the police. No answer. I say uh, I would like uh, to know whether the, the trial still go ahead. No answer. And my friend uh, who were uh, witnesses, they they asked uh, because they said uh, the the police uh, never called us like they did uh, before. Because each time uh, when uh, the offender had. Uh, some uh, not a trial the hearing because uh, he had uh, some time uh, hearing uh, to have uh, to have the the bell uh, out to go yes. uh, because he had uh, he was uh, for four years he was he couldn't uh, go uh, overseas without uh, a permission okay so he 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 was obliged to even uh, the the American uh, customs sent him back uh, to New Zealand because. Uh, okay. They, they said, yes, they, my friend, who were witnesses, they, they, they didn't have any news from the police as uh, they did like they had before. And it was very, uh, I was very uh, worried. And I said, I can't, I can't understand. So I sent uh, four times uh, email to the, the police and the crown, they never, uh, they never answered to me. And the, the day of the 31st, I continue again. So uh, that time uh, they said, uh, ah, this, the, the trial started uh, this morning. I forgot uh, to call you and to warn the witnesses. So uh, for me, it was very, uh, very difficult because uh, I started uh, to doubt that uh, maybe they were do- doing uh, a fake trial. They didn't want uh, my friend uh, to be present. So uh, they will not uh, put the evidence uh, before the, the juries. And uh, even now, I don't have the proof, but I, I am uh, I am almost sure, 100%, that they didn't put the evidences before the before the, the juries because I can't understand that the juries with the evidences you read you heard, you can't say that uh, uh, I touch her vagina, but I, I, it's not a, a big sexual act. 
You can't say that. You did, and, and the, the jury said that you, did, you, you are not guilty. What is that kind of, if they say that that means uh, they, they, are, they are deaf or, I don't know. This was the retrial, right? So yes, the retrial, yeah. which sounds like a complete setup and a complete fast, he was found not guilty. Yes. And he was released immediately. Yes. Okay. And okay. What did the police, did the police ever get back to you and, and explain why the retrial no, no. went totally nothing? No, nothing. And they called, and they called my daughter without calling me to tell me what happened. Really? Yes. It's, for me, it's very hard. And, and See, when, when they behave like that, for me, it's like they did their best and their best to, to, to free that man. When that man uh, was on bail, before he went to the prison this first time, I was living in the house, the, the, the house he built. And the police said to me, the first thing they told me, go out from his house. And I said, my daughter and I, we are victims. And we ask, you ask us to go from his house. He has 10 houses in Oakland, 10 houses. And the police said to me, you can't tell him where he has to go. He, want, he, he, he will stay where he wanted to stay. I find that shocking. Someone who is so rich, who has 10 houses. The police asked me to leave. And my daughter was very, very vulnerable. When you have a, a child, who, who just reported about what happened to her for four years. And they asked, the only thing the police had to tell me is to leave the, the house with uh, my daughter. And my daughter, was she was starting her um, intermediate. So it was very, very, very hard. Do you think the police were protecting him? Yes, I'm sure they protected him. I'm sure yeah. they protected him. And did you, did you or your daughter ever, ever hear from social services or child protection to offer support, victim support for your daughter? No. Did anybody offer? You heard nothing from anybody. Before uh, we had a little bit, uh, but uh, sure. it was very short, very short. And when the, the Mr. Uh, Heimgartner, Mark Heimgartner has asked uh, Isabel, when uh, he went uh, to the appeal, they, I opposed. And the police said to me, no, you can't oppose. The man has spent all, all, already too long into the prison. It's not his house. He needed to be in his beautiful house he built with his, his, with his family. You can't uh, ask him, we, we don't allow you to oppose. Can you believe the police said that to me? They are supposed Can you to tell me uh, what police station was this? It was in Auckland, correct? Yes, it was. Uh, in, Do you remember um, the police station? Yes, yes, I know. It's what's um, the name of the police station? It's the police uh, forensic. Okay, in yes, Auckland City, yeah. Is it, yes, so everybody it's knows. The, it's not. It's not far from uh, Auckland Hospital. Okay. okay, not far from Auckland Hospital. So he, so he's had the retrial, which is a total setup, total fast. There's no witnesses. There's no evidence given of the sexual abuse. So of course he's going to be found not guilty. And where is he now? I heard that uh, he's uh, back uh, at his place. And when you say back at his place, that's his ex-girl, his ex-wife, correct? He's living with yes, her. he lives with his ex-wife. So when, when he, he was, was released, where, no, he how was... close was he when he was living? When he got released, I remember you telling me he was 
Was he living in the same street as you? One, one street. Oh, one street away. Only far. Only one street. It's one minute to walk. From where you and your daughter were staying? Yes. And he was, all, all the time, we were, we were jumping into him. And my daughter was scared. Crying. So you would see him on the street, yeah? Yes. Shocking. Absolute shocking justice. There absolutely was no justice given to your daughter. And that man, I said to them, please, please, he has 10 houses. Please send him if you don't want him. Yeah. To, if you don't want him uh, to, to disturb my, 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 my daughters, please yeah. send him uh, somewhere else. They said, no, he lives where he wants to live. You don't have anything to say. So one, someone who has 10 houses in Auckland. Yeah. They yeah. sent him back close to my, to my daughter and I. So there was no restrictions put on him saying that you could not come near his no, daughter? No, uh, it was the restriction. It was the restriction. I had uh, to, to ask uh, a protection order. I was my, my own uh, uh, lawyer because uh, I... So I you, had, you had a protection order? Yes, I did by myself. But he's living in the next street. Please could you you, uh, have, you, you you have the protection or but still he lives in the next street away. Yes. This is crazy. It's absolutely it's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. So you have the man the man who's abused sexually abused your daughter for four years living in the next street and the police are telling you to move. This is just shows yes. you the justice and the system. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately the police are so incompetent and lazy in these child sexual abuse cases. So, and so the viewers know now, the listeners know, obviously you and your daughter, you don't have to tell everybody where, but you do not live in New Zealand anymore. You, for your own daughter's protection and, and safety, you left New Zealand and now living in, in another country. And I find that appalling that you've had to move your daughter from her friends and things like that to allow him to move back into the community after being released from prison. It's shocking. So I find what you did, gathering evidence. Now, some people might say, but why did you stay with him? And I totally get where you're coming from because obviously you had a bad experience with your divorce with another man and you learned in that was all about evidence. So when this situation came up, as horrible as it was, you all that was on your mind was one of the main things was get justice for your daughter. And that was to get evidence so people listening understand that. It's not an easy situation, what you've been through. It's totally horrible. And so I, I want to thank you for, for explaining everything. What we'll do now is, is bring your daughter in so mm-hmm. she can sit and, and have a chat to me one-on-one. And um, so thank you very much. And, you know, what you've been through is horrible and you protecting your daughter how you have, I, I commend you for that. So, well done. Yes, because my daughter, she, she tried to kill herself because uh, that man, she was jumping yeah. on him uh, many yeah. times and uh, it was not uh, possible. I couldn't even think one uh, second that uh, I will uh, leave my daughter dying. Uh, yeah, of uh, course. You did the right thing. You've done everything man. right. You haven't done mm-hmm. anything wrong at all. And I've gone through the, the evidence. I've gone through the, the audio recordings. I've listened to him. I've seen the charges. I, I've just seen him doing some incredibly blatant attempts to cover up the abuse he gave your daughter. So thank you. And you should 
be proud of what you've done to protect your daughter. So we'll bring we'll bring her in now and say thank, thank you. you to you and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Hello again. How are you? Good. You good? Welcome to the podcast. And I firstly have to say I think you're an amazing young girl and I think you are so courageous for wanting to tell your story and I've read everything. I've, I've listened to the audio recordings. I've listened to your mum. So it's, I think it's only fair that, you know, you explain to, because what you have to understand too, by you talking, it's going to help other children who are listening and it's going to help other parents who, whose children are being abused like you were. I'm really proud of you for wanting to do this. So welcome. And you don't have to say your name, but if you can just explain, if you can remember when he first moved into the house, whatever you can remember, because now you're 14. Yeah. So he moved in when you were seven, I think. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was about, yeah, I was around seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember anything when he first moved? How was he towards you? Was he uh, a nice man? Was he a very angry man or what, when he first moved in? Yeah, well, when he moved in, you know, my parents were getting their divorce and I had very complicated, I had a very complicated relationship with my own father. And so he was very nice. And, you know, coming from a seven-year-old that was deprived of a father figure, I kind of quite quickly took him as my father. And, you know, I would call him dad. You know, he would, he would come over quite often. I think it was a relationship that was created very quickly and he moved in quite rapidly and I considered him as my father. Yeah. He was a nice guy, right? He was just a normal, normal yeah. guy at the start. Yeah. At the start he was, he was nice at the start. He was nice. Yeah. Can you remember when, when he started to, you know, be suspicious or do things to yourself? Do you remember any of that? From the beginning, he had never done anything suspicious from, what I can remember. And then just out of nowhere, one night he had come into my room and he had uh, touched me and my, he had touched my genitals. I, you know, I was crying and I had told my mom and she, she, you know, she was comforting me. And then the next morning he had told me that, you know, he, I will never touch you above your knee again. So I knew, I knew it was something that was wrong because you know, I feel like even a seven-year-old, you'd expect that, oh, they, they don't know it's normal. But I knew that it wasn't a good thing. But I think because nothing had been done about it, I just kind of left it. I just kind of assumed that maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was really. Yeah, yeah. And how long did this go for? Like, it kept going on. Did you say anything to anyone? Because I think you told a friend at school, right? And that's how it all sort of came out. Yeah, because it had been going on for so long, it kind of like turned into this like casual, like it was kind of normal. Like I knew it wasn't good and I didn't like it. I had like several meltdowns because of it, but it still had become something very casual to me. And then, you know, it came up in a conversation when I was talking to my friend and I had told her about it. And I think to her, it came like it was quite shocking because, you know, I think yeah. for anyone it can be shocking so then she told her mother and you know her mother told the school and so on the school contacted the police 
And yeah, so that's how I told my friend. And did you, obviously you were seven when it started, seven, eight. And, and so did you ever get taught by your parents and, you know, about say body boundaries, about people touching you inappropriate? Was, was you ever taught that at all? I had told my mother and she, you know, she t- said that she talked to him. On several occasions, but, you know, there was always the, oh, it's not good, but there was never really anything else further, like other than that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, she'd, done, she'd done all this uh, investigation. She was secretly recording him and trying to get the evidence. It's a very difficult thing when, when a child speaks. Most people don't believe children. So to come up and trying to get evidence is, the, is really the only way you know, we can try and put these people away. So he has two, two step. He has two daughters, right? Yeah, yeah. He two, has two. He's a yeah. So, did you ever speak to them about what happened, or was there yeah. any conversations there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when we were still stepsisters, I remember one day we had a conversation about it, and I had told them what he was doing to me, and they were like, "Yeah, that's completely normal." Like, yeah, he does that to us too. And then, you know, I was I was kind of, I thought that he was only doing it to me because maybe I was, you know, I wasn't his biological daughter, so. Yeah. But apparently he was doing it to his children too. But when it was the court, they obviously they didn't testify against him. And I don't think, well, I hope they will maybe in the future because, but um, yeah, for now they haven't said anything and I feel really, I feel really bad for them. I. Yeah. 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 No, I totally understand. And, you know, sometimes it takes many years before, you know, survivors actually speak out. So, and, and again, by you speaking now, you know, if for whatever reason they do listen to this, it might encourage them to speak out. Was anybody helping you? Did the school offer any assistance, help? Did, did the police offer any help? as far as maybe speaking to a counsellor or or somebody like this? Yeah, I got assigned a counsellor and I had talked to her, like the the school counsellor, I had talked to the school counsellor and she was the one that questioned me about it first and then she had told the police what I had told her and then I had a therapist and I talked to her about it but from that, no, not really. Nobody's helped you at all? No, I had a therapist. And then I think after I was 10, I had gotten closer with my dad. Now I've got a good relationship with him. But okay. when it was all announced, I was able to talk to him freely about it. And he had helped me a lot for it. That's your biological dad, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this, your abuser was sending you letters, right? Mm. He was sending you letters of basically what? to say or what not to say or he was coaching you correct yeah because when when the police had been informed they had told him that he couldn't stay at the house but he stayed regardless and he would give me these letters you know to train me and coach me and he would tell me like you can't say this to the police if they ever ask you if I had touched you just say that it was a misinterpretation you know just everything to make him sound like I was kind of imagining things and obviously I didn't listen to his letters, but there came a point where like he realized that it was kind of suspicious that my mom was keeping all the letters 
he got a little bit angry because, you know, he, I think he kind of caught on. And then he got found guilty. So how were you, did you feel happy when he went to prison? Yeah, I was really happy because already I feel like the New Zealand justice system is already very racist towards all people of colour, especially Maldives. I felt very lucky that I even got to have a court case. Like, I was very grateful for that. And I was grateful that he got convicted. However, I did think that the the amount of years, because normally he would have had six years, but he it got reduced because of his age, because he was old, because he's 70. And it also got reduced because he gave financial help to the... Um, you know, to the society apparently. So yeah, because he was quite wealthy, some, right? Yeah, he was a wealthy man. So yeah. they took off some months for that as well, and then he got five years and two months instead of six years. And I was happy that he got convicted and that he got you know five years. That also felt like enough because he abused from when I was seven to when I was ten, but it didn't just stop. There, like, I it doesn't just stop there. And then also there were all the court proceedings and I had to be reminded of everything. I had to relive everything. It wasn't just something that lasted three years. And I feel like it's not even ever going to stop. I'm going to have to, you know, live with what happened to me for the rest of my life. And that he just had to have five years. I feel like it wasn't enough, but I was happy nevertheless that he got convicted. So, sure. Yeah. And you just wanted to move on. Yeah. So, but then obviously things went, you know, bad and, and he's appealed and then he got out and found not guilty by a complete rubbish retrial. How did you feel then about like the system and, and that he was out free? How did you feel? Because he was living just one street away from where you were and your yeah. mom. Yeah, well, that's also a reason why we came to France because yeah. even before the first trial, he was living in a house one street away from us and I had bumped into him on several occasions and it's really not nice, you know, seeing your abuser, especially when he lives not even 100 metres away from you. But, yeah. yeah, so when he got out, I was already in France uh, for the retrial it was a very difficult thing to, you know, comprehend. First of all, I couldn't understand why, because it was a jury, it was a jury trial. So I couldn't understand why the jury, what element made them believe that it was untruthful? Like, what did yeah. I do? Yeah. Or what did he do to make them believe him? Especially the trial where he was found guilty by 12 jurors and then to come in. So I think it's important for you, for you to understand that it's not your fault and you've done nothing wrong. And most children in your position never go to court and they're too scared to go to court. So I commend you again for having enough courage to just want to go to court and, and reliving and re-listening to all the, all the evidence and, and the things he did and, and him trying to say that you're a liar and it's not true and, just to listen to that, knowing that he did do that to you, I find you a very courageous young young girl. So yeah. I think the one, the most important thing for you to take away from all this, this horrible situation that you will never forget. I mean, I think it's important that 
you can speak about it and hopefully that can help you move on, move forward. But it's also important to remember that you did nothing wrong. The system is an absolute shocking system and nearly always pedophiles like this guy do not even go to prison, even when they're found guilty. So don't beat yourself up about the fact that he didn't go to prison or he then was found not guilty because that's just a lot of rubbish. Anybody who looks at the evidence and listens to his own confessions of what he did to you knows what he did. So I can only say thank you to you two for being on here and wanting to share your story. I think you will help a lot of people, a lot of young kids. So just take that away. You've done nothing wrong. And, and the retrial was totally out of your hands, complete fast. It's a mockery of the system. And the New Zealand justice system should be ashamed of themselves. Unfortunately, you are not the only child that it's done this to. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on. And, and again, I'm very proud of you. I've never met you, but I'm very proud of you for speaking. So thank you very much, yeah. Yeah, I really hope this will help helps his future victims. Well, I hope there won't be any future victims. Yeah, I hope this will prevent it. Absolutely. I guarantee you people listening will will feel for you and I think you'll have a lot of supporters after this. So Thank you, sir. Okay. Be good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Adam Whittington Unfiltered. Real and raw talk about child trafficking, kidnapping and exploitation. To find more information on Adam and discover ways you can learn and help, visit www.adamwhittington.com.